Yeah, I bet. So I'm not sure how easy it's going to be for everyone to find this video since the whole format's a little different. So we'll see how it goes. Welcome, everybody, to the Bible Thumper podcast. My name is Patrick Hayes, and with me is my co-host, Caleb Jenks. And tonight, we are going to be talking about idols. So let's see where we go. Okay, so first thing I want to do is tell you what we're going to be talking about next week. And next week, we are going to be getting into the topic of hell. Hell is real. It's a real place. There's real fire and it is really forever. So we're going to be talking about that. It's not a popular topic, but it's one that we need to remind ourselves of often. So it's good to see that several folks are already jumping on and present. Um, we have a different platform or format, or there was an update on Facebook, and I wasn't sure how well anyone would be able to, you know, kind of find us. So I'm glad that people are going to be here. Another thing that's going to be great is when one day Caleb actually gets us onto a podcast hosting platform so we don't have to be on Facebook anymore. But we're not going to bring that up because I don't want to make Caleb feel bad or guilty that he's not pulling his weight on this thing. So we're just going to kick that and just keep on going down the road. Bad connection over here. I couldn't hear much of that. So. <laughs> also, um, I cannot share this event like I usually do beforehand. So if you are one of my friends on Facebook and you got a personal invite to this, uh, please be aware that I'm trying some new things. So anyway, it only let me invite, I think 50 or 55 people. And I only have like eight or nine people that will even talk to me or return my phone calls. So I understand that a lot of you have gotten a message that you might not want. Okay, <clears throat> so with that, we're talking about idols. So I told Caleb that I have more information on this topic, and I could I could talk to you guys for two straight hours without even trying on this topic. Um, I really uh, have a strong stance on this, and God hates idols. And you read about it so often throughout the Old Testament. Uh, it was actually a capital crime if one of your friends said, hey, let's go over to the next town and let's get a couple of us together and let's go burn incense to one of their pagan gods and worship false gods. That was actually a capital crime. And you find out how much God hates idolatry whenever you read through the Bible. It's so apparent. And the reason for that is that you are not giving credit where credit is due. And there are several times where God even makes fun of those who are idol worshipers. He says, look, <clears throat> you know, uh, it, it, I'm going through the book of Jeremiah right now. And one of the things God what does... In the world, I just finished Jeremiah. Really? I'm yeah. on, I want to say, like chapter 15. So I got a ways to okay. go. Okay, but anyway... Yeah, last weekend I read the whole book. That's a big book. It's one of the longer yeah. ones in the Bible. And it's deep. There's a lot going on there. But anyway, one of the things God does is he tells the Israelites, he's like, you guys are bringing your false idols into the temple. He said, and then they're praying and asking God for help. He's like, go ask your idols for help. You've been praying to them enough. I mean, he really says that. God's like, you cut down a tree and carved an image out of wood 
and then you pray to it as if it has power. He's like, you dragged a big rock over here and chiseled an image out of it. And then you bow down to the image that you made. He's like, good luck. Pray to that thing. See if it delivers you. So God really hates idols because God is the one that deserves all the glory and the honor for everything good in our lives. And whenever we rely on something other than God, that can be an idol, uh, other than obviously false deities, which is what we usually think of. So the, the first thing I wanted to bring up was that when we read about those things in the Old Testament, when we read the Ten Commandments, which has two different commandments concerning idols and false gods, we, we could argue there's more, but but there are two specific ones that, that are very strongly against idolatry and forbidding it. I think it is the habit of Christians in America today to kind of roll their eyes and think, yeah, that was for other people in another time. I'm not worshiping any idols. There are no idols in my life. Like I don't have statues that I'm burning incense to and praying to. So therefore, I don't even need to consider this commandment as a serious one that I might be breaking. This isn't a problem in my life, obviously. And I think a lot of Christians just kind of gloss over it and they go on to something else because they, they just assume there's no way this could apply to me. And I think that's a dangerous thing that a lot of us do is look at any of these commandments and think that they could possibly, you know, not apply to us. And we don't examine our lives because of that. And I think we miss things in our lives that God is not pleased with, that God is angry about. And I think it is worth taking a look in our lives to see, you know, if there are idols. What was that, you know, Psalm search me, uh, search Oh, what was it? Search me and and know. I, I'm going to butcher it, but search yeah. me, God, and if there be anything unclean within me or something. Yeah, or any it. wicked thing in me. So, you know, yeah. and that's really the, the way we want to look at it. We want to go to God and we want to ask him to point out to us what might be an idol in our life. So, Caleb, I would like to hear your thoughts initially on this while I try to share this with a couple of people to see if we can get um, some more folks <clears throat> online watching this video with us. Yeah. So um, just since we're on the Bible thumb for butchering, butchering verses, I decided to go ahead and pull this up. It's Psalm 139, 23 says, search me, O God, and know my heart, try me and know my thoughts. And then uh, verse 24 says, and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Uh, so we were it's close. Great, it's a great verse. That we word have I hid in my there. heart that I might not sin against thee unless I remembered it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> yeah. We got, we got the gist of it. Yeah. So, um, uh, it's interesting to me that, that we do seem to think that it's so impossible that we could fall into idolatry because we're not, um, we're not seeing people bowing down before idols around mm -hmm. us. And I, I thought it was interesting that you brought up right away. There's two different commandments here in Exodus um, in the in the Ten Commandments, which I know this is America and we don't need the Ten Commandments. Right. I mean, we've got freedom of speech. We can do yeah. whatever we want. Who cares about <laughs> obeying God? The Old right? Testament, Caleb, old T. Don't even bring it up with me. And so if you go to Exodus uh, chapter 20, I guess you're pulling it up. Yeah, I got it. In front verse of me. three and four. Do you want to read both? Verse yeah, three sure. And four. Uh, uh, commandment number three and four is verses uh, 
three and four. Let's see. Da, 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 da. Well, four is the Sabbath. Are you sure you don't want two and three? Exodus 20. Okay, wait, where are you at? You're looking for the Ten Commandments. You mean commandment numbers two and three. Okay, ex I'm sorry. I'm in Exodus chapter, chapter 20. 20, verse three. Oh, you just want verses two and three, which is the first commandment. Th three, sorry. three and four. I, th I thought you meant commandments, not verses. Yeah, no, sorry. Okay. No, verse, verse three and verse four. Okay, so thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them for I, the Lord, thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. Sorry, I was reading the whole commandment again. I was confused. So you got verses three, four, and five. So you'll notice there's two commandments. Yeah. The first one is don't have any gods before besides me. And then the second one has to do with the idols. Right. So it's very, very, very detailed here. Um, you should not make any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in water under the earth, thou shalt not bow down to thyself, thyself to them, nor serve them, for I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God. Um, here we have pretty clear, detailed instructions on the fact that it doesn't matter how we do it, what it is that we find to worship, we're not supposed to do it, right? Mm -hmm. But um, I find it to be interesting that among Christianity, there is a... a seems like a quite a comfort level among Christians. At, I, I think it kind of comes from the idea of um, Peter and eating, um, eating meats that were considered unclean meats or whatever. It's like, you know, Peter kill and eat. And it's like, well, now we have this freedom as Christians, we can do whatever we want. Right. So it doesn't matter mm -hmm. if I have a statute in my front yard at Christmas time, mm -hmm. or if I have, you know, carvings on my shelf and I'm talking about you know, specific things that we actually knowingly do and condone as Christians where somebody, maybe they're not bowing down and worshiping them. But even if you don't bow yourself down to them, it says thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath. I was driving down the road the other day and I came across this place that has really ornate wood carvings. And it was just like this whole, probably an acre or two worth mm -hmm. of, graven images <laughs> there's nothing nothing but graven images <laughs> and and of course there's people out there you know shopping for them or whatever i didn't see anybody bowing down and worshiping them mm -hmm. but i'm thinking how uh, we are so this is just a good example of how lax we are as christians that we wouldn't be that we'd be so naive and so don't have our guard up to be aware of even actually having a physical graven image isn't a big deal for a lot of christians you know wood carvings and all kinds of different things that we have when I was a kid, I carved out a, a goat out of a piece of black walnut. It was my first ever wood carving. Mm -hmm. And I carved out this goat in great detail. And it was small. It was like this big, this little miniature mm -hmm. thing. It was a, sure. sort of a Nubian goat. And I was just doing it for the fun of it. Mm -hmm. um, I was using like a grinder and some different stuff. It wasn't like, it wasn't that sophistic sophisticated of a craft, but it came out good. 
And I got uncomfortable with it after a while because I was reading these verses in the Bible and I'm like, wait, I was over there carving, you know, graven images (laughs) of something that is in the earth. And the Bible says not to do this. And I had all the, I came up with all these excuses of, well, it's okay because wood carving is, it's an art and, you know, other people do it. And, And I felt very awkward about it for a while. Finally, I destroyed the thing because I was like, this is not, you know, it's not what I'm supposed to be doing. And I'm not saying that all wood carvers are going to hell, but I'm just saying it seems, it seems a little bit problematic that we're so, um, that we're so off guard that, that obviously if we're willing to set up a a nativity scene at Christmas time Mm -hmm. to me as Christians, and we're completely comfortable with having graven images in our homes, then what, you know, why would we even be mindful of the fact that there could be other addictions or other things in our lives that can become idols if we're willing to actually have a physical graven image that the Bible says not to possess, you know? Yeah. So one of the things I wanted to bring up was kind of the origins of this. So Caleb, take your Bible and turn to Revelation chapter 12, and I'm going to have you read a couple verses here. And in Revelation chapter 12, we read about a city. Now, Jesus wrote seven letters to seven churches. And one of these churches, if you go back and look at it historically, you find was the center of idol worship in the world at the time. So can you look at, well, I thought it was, did I tell you chapter 12? I'm sorry. I meant verse 12 of chapter 2. Um, see if you okay. can turn there. We, we have somebody on here that was like, wait, I just got on here. What about nativity scenes? <laughs> oh, Alex. That yeah. was, we're going to, that was what my Christmas wife said pretty seriously here by the end of the hour, we're talking about idols and graven images and carved images. And, and in, uh, Exodus chapter 20 in commandment number two, which starts in verse four, it says not to make any graven image of any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Okay. So um, Caleb was mentioning a nativity scene, which he is uh, not okay with. Uh, as Well, I'm just that surprised are... that we're so okay and that the church actually sanctions and defends and promotes. Sure. Well, you know, it's Christmas time. This is the time where we're going to, you know, it's, yeah. it's better than Santa Claus, right? You know, we're yeah. going to put out a, we're going to put out. It's a Mary statue and Joseph. of Jesus. What's the problem? Oh, right. And Mary. And, right. And no statues of Mary have ever been a problem on planet earth no nobody's nobody's ever ended up praying to mary i'm pretty ever prayed to mary or a statue of her but okay the point being is that even if you don't bow down and worship it it says not to make it or have correct you're not supposed to do that command right so i'm in revelation uh, chapter 2 verse 12 i'll let you read it in one second so commandment number two you have to remember is broken down into several parts okay part one is don't make the things Part two is don't bow down to them. So you have to understand that some people would travel to other towns to bow down to someone else's idols. Other people would make their own. There's there there's multiple points in that one commandment. God's covering all of his bases. He's saying it's not okay to worship an, a graven image no matter where you find it. It's also not okay for you to make them for yourself. So that, that's what God is explaining. Donna is asking about a Christmas tree. 
if I could give you a high five, Donna, I would reach out to you right now. I'm going to ruin Christmas trees for everybody. Give me about 30 minutes. Okay. So let me, let me, uh, let me explain very quickly what was going on here. So Caleb, could you read, uh, <clears throat> uh, start in Revelation chapter two, starting in verse 12. And I'm just going to have you read, uh, just go ahead and read the first three verses, 12, 13, and 14. Go ahead. And to the angel of the church in Pergamos write, these things saith he which hath the sharp sword with two edges. I know thy works and where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seat is. And thou holdest fast my name and hast not denied my faith, even in those days wherein Antipas was my faithful martyr who was slain among you where, sweet, where Satan dwelleth. But I have a few things against thee because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam who taught to Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel <laughs> to eat things sacrificed unto idols and to commit fornication. Okay, so it, it goes on, and I don't want to get off in the weeds. I want to focus mostly on this letter is written to the Christians, the church that's in Pergamos. So if you study Pergamos, even casually, you find out it was the center of idol worship in the known world. Now, notice in the verses Caleb read, it mentions Satan two times. It says that Satan's seat is there. Not sure exactly what that means, but keep in mind, who's writing these letters, Caleb? Uh, this is John, but it was a, he was under the, he would have been under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit or a, or a revelation, right? These are letters written by Jesus. Okay, this is Jesus writing this letter to the church. Right explaining to this isn't you know someone this isn't a historian coming up with an idea god himself is saying satan has a seat in this town and then he says again uh in verse 14 or i'm sorry in verse 13 he says he talks about his faithful martyr antipas who was killed there where satan dwells so two times the Lord Jesus explains that Satan lives in Pergamos. Now, I don't think he's there anymore. It's just ruins. Okay. But at this time, what you have to understand is what was going on in Pergamos was that was the very first place where they had temples dedicated to the Roman emperors. So this is when uh, Caesar Augustus and Julius Caesar, uh, forced the doctrine upon all Rome of the deity of the Caesar. So they were gods. And at the time, what was required from every group there was that you would stand before this statue of Caesar where there was a fire and you had to take a pinch of incense and drop it in the fire and burn that incense to Caesar. And you had to say, Caesar is Lord. And they wrote it down and they said, okay, you're good till next year. So Caesar worship was not this long drawn out ongoing thing. It was literally something where you had to go there, drop in a pinch of incense, and then the Roman government would leave you alone and say that you were loyal to Caesar and you worship Caesar and you're fine. And they didn't really care what you did the rest of the year. So long as 
you weren't stirring up trouble or a rebellion and you dropped a pinch of incense into that fire. You want to guess who was not willing to drop a pinch of incense into that fire? Antipas. And he was killed because of it. So it was a capital crime not to do this. And we can go over how he was killed and the manner and it you know, it was horrible. Okay. He was cooked alive inside of a brazen idol that they would bind people up and put them inside of and start a fire underneath the thing until the person was cooked alive. And you can read the history on it. It's not very hard to find, but you have to understand that idol worship was taken very, very seriously by the early church because they were surrounded by pagans. They were surrounded by idols. They saw so much of it everywhere and they had a very distinct line that they drew to the point where they were willing to die rather than just, it's just, it's just a pinch of incense. It's all you got to do. And that's what most Christians would say nowadays. That's their line is, Oh, why are you making a fuss? It's just so easy. Just drop the incense in and then go back to worshiping God. God will understand. And that's kind of the cavalier attitude that I see a lot of Christians having with, with, with idols is, oh, none of these things are really idols. And that's really where Christians are today is there's like, oh, I have never, I've never seen an idol. Who worships idols? Ah, that's for the olden days. That has nothing to do with us. It's like, no, no, no. Idolatry is a real thing. Idols are real. They are all around us. You need to identify them. God hates them. It is not okay, especially the ones that we bring into church, you know, a couple times a year and set up in different places. Okay. So that's the I thought, background. I thought you were going to. I thought you were going to bring coffee into it for some reason, <laughs> right then. But then you went ahead and just took a swig. So yeah, no, I'm 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 actually I'm actually drinking drinking tea tonight. Okay, tea. That's uh, yeah. Better. Okay, so with that being said, um, Caleb, I'm going to pull up some more stuff on paganism. But uh, what so do you one think of? one thing. Well, one thing to mention there, as yeah. far as the letter to the Church of Pergamos, there were. Um, there was a bunch of, I think you may have already mentioned this, but there were a bunch of temples, at least four temples that were there mm -hmm. to Greek gods mm -hmm. that were being worshipped there as, along with uh, the Roman emperor being worshipped as, yeah, yeah, as yeah. God. So there yeah, that's, I mean, there, there may have been other, yep. there may have been other idol worship going on throughout the rest of the year as well, beyond the once a year duty there. It reminds me of North Korea or something like that, where it's like the, 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 uh, North Korean leader Kim Jong Un is supposedly yeah. God. Oh yeah, it's uh, crazy. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know which way you want to go with this. Obviously, I brought up the actual idol idols, like graven images. Um, okay. And then obviously, there's other other aspects as far as things that become. You know, you could be a, a bodybuilder and be worshiping your own body and not even <laughs> realize it, or your truck, or your you know, your money, or there's plenty of other things. So I, well, but let's, uh, let's start here. I got a couple more verses. Um, can you look up first Thessalonians five 22 and I'm going to pull up okay. Ephesians five 11. So I'll read Ephesians five 11. And these are just a couple verses that we can use. And I think certainly it apply. was first Thessalonians, what five 22. Yeah. And I'm looking up Ephesians, uh, chapter five, verse 11. Okay. So in Ephesians, 
What's everyone's up? gonna have to forgive me because I did zero homework on this topic coming You're into fine. it. For some reason, we announced last week, and I think it might have been myself, but we announced last week on the episode that this week was gonna be on hell. Mm-hmm. And I had that stuck in my head all week. So for some reason, I was until <laughs> we got on here you two minutes before it started. Mentally, yeah, the whole week. Yeah, I was. I was. Topic. I was sure we we're going to be on here talking about hell, which was going to be an easy topic. So I did zero homework on that either as sure. well. Um, but of course, this and it's okay. Pretty, I, Caleb and I were but... talking about this ahead of time. I have enough material on idols to go on all night long. I mean, I love railing on idols and pointing out the different idols in your life that you're not aware of that God hates. You know, as far as the guilt trip, I mean, this is the hour for it. Okay, so Ephesians chapter 5, verse 11, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Okay, Caleb, go ahead and give me your verse there, 1 Thessalonians 5, 22. Abstain from all appearance of evil. That's such a short verse, and it's always been one of my favorite. It's so simple, and, and it's open-ended, abstain from all appearance of evil. So it's not even telling you to find all the evil things and abstain from them. It's saying abstain from anything that appears to be evil. So it actually leaves the discretion up to the Christian. It's saying that aside from all the things in the Bible that are evil, if you find anything that appears to be evil, go ahead and stay away from that as well. So, okay, so here's here's the idea as far as if you think about it, you have three columns, okay? You have column one, you have column two, and then in the middle you have column three. In column one, what you have is all the good things that God would want you to have in your life, okay? All the wonderful things in the Bible that God has created and that he loves and that he has for you. In column two are all the wicked and sinful and pagan and idolatrous things that that basically the devil is trying to push on the world that the world's come up with. Okay. Now, most of us can say, okay, yeah, we want to be in column one and we want to stay away from column two. Then in the middle, what you have is the marrying of these two columns where you mix together and have this gray area where you try to pull together Christianity and holiness and worldliness and paganism. And God is okay with column one. Satan wants us to live in column two. Okay, well, guess who's okay with column three? Unfortunately, it's Christians. (laughs) Okay, but Satan is the one that if he can't get you to outrightly bow down and worship idols and burn incense to them, what he wants to do is mix up as much paganism and Christianity as he possibly can. And he did that back in uh, the third century AD. And the history of it is very simple. In 78, well, very shortly after Christ, okay, immediately after Christ, Christianity started to be persecuted, uh, first by the Jews, and that was in the life of Paul, and we read about that. And then by 70 AD, uh, Titus, uh, who was late, he was a general at the time, he later became a Roman emperor, sacked Jerusalem, leveled the temple, destroyed the city, massacred millions of Jews. And then from that point on, all the different Roman emperors were very much anti-Christian. There were several that really didn't care, but there are many of them that hated Christianity and viciously 
went after Christians, leveling churches, murdering Christians. I mean, just absolutely trying to destroy the church. This goes on till about the third century AD when Emperor Constantine finally says enough Christianity is legal. Anyone that wants to be a Christian, it is fine. So for the first and time, that's when everything got better, right? Everything yeah. was good from there, right? <laughs> so it's so crazy because it was really, you know, step one of the worst thing that ever happened to Christianity. So Emperor Constantine claimed. By the way, if you're a Catholic Christian, right now watching, yeah. you might want to just change the dial. <laughs> Turn it off. Before you lose Patrick as a friend. Okay, so Emperor Constantine made Christianity legal. And he claimed to become a Christian and he got baptized. And most people believed it was just politically uh, motivated and it was for show. And then what happened is when, so all the Christians are like, this is great. And they came out of the caves and out of hiding and they were now able to openly worship and be free. Okay. So then his successor, Theodosius, made Christianity mandatory. And this was the worst thing that had ever happened to Christianity. So now over all of Rome, everyone had to be a Christian. So here's the question you got to ask. Did all the pagans just put down their idols and walk away from their witchcraft and wizardry and leave their, you know, seances and necromancy and Ouija boards alone? No, no. They didn't just come to Christ and become a Christian and leave that stuff behind. What happened was Christianity and paganism merged. And that was the state-run Roman church that was mandatory and enforced by the Roman government, later taking on the name Roman Catholicism. So every true believer was like, this is crazy town banana pants we are out and they left and they went right back underground worshiping in secret because they could have no part of this craziness where paganism was brought in and merged with christianity to make this horrible religion so <clears throat> what satan was unable to do in three centuries of persecution he was able to do by marrying paganism with Christianity. And from that comes every nonsensical, crazy thing you have ever seen in a church that makes no sense, is not in the Bible, and you're pulling your hair out every year saying, what do bunnies laying eggs have to do with Jesus coming back from the dead? And you have no idea how that fits. And you, and you have blood shooting out of your eyes once a year in April on a Sunday. And you're thinking, this is insane. Friend, you are not alone. Okay? There are many of us who have had that thought. Easter is a pagan holiday. It came from Rome. It actually came from Babel. It has nothing to do with Christianity. It has to do with Ashtaroth, Astarte, several pagan deities that we can go over a lesson on this sometime. The same thing has happened with so many things in the Christian church and idols and paganism have merged into Christianity and people have no idea that it's even happened. Okay. So Trevor. I miss you too, buddy. Thank you for showing up. Okay, so 
Now here we Trevor are. Trevor showed up just in time to call. Yeah. Him out. And I was about to. I was about to call for an airdrop of some high blood pressure medicine because I was afraid we were going to see the blood coming out of his eyes here. So anyway, fast forward. Okay, you know, 17 centuries, and here we are, Christianity in America today. And we have idols today, just like they did back then. And people have no idea, you know, what's going on. So, yes, um, there are idols. Okay, Caleb, tell me anything you want. Ask me a question. Tell me I'm crazy. What do you think of what I just went over? No, it's... um... So, of course, yeah, you mentioned how how there's so much that has been muddied up with it. Uh, You look at at Constantine, that was kind of the beginning of the beginning of the end of the early church and actually Mm -hmm. having it be just following the Bible. I mean, you had, of course, the the first the Council of Nicaea there where they were trying to decide because of Arianism and the the problem of, of people not believing that Jesus was, you know, was actually God. They were saying that he was a created being, which is still the same same problem we have going on with churches nowadays. Jehovah's Witnesses don't believe that, you know, they believe that Jesus is Lucifer's brother. And it's just kind of, you you, you, find, you know, he's God's biological son. Um, you get into some really weird stuff and there were some problems going on. But as soon as they took over as the state church, um, Constantine was going to try to settle some of these theological issues that were going on and they had the council of nicaea and then some more councils and you look at how politics work once you make a state religion and you start you look at at how how matters get handled with in in a political situation which is really what happened religion and politics got mixed in rome and and so there was uh, if you look at the way that they solve problems now, you got to you got to appease certain groups of people. You got you got to try to work with with all kinds of different facets that have very little to do with facts or um, with historical truth. And so you had the Roman Church um, taking in pagan um, traditions that were in their in their culture, and by forcing everybody to live in a state mandated christianity um culture they had to somehow merge everything and Mm -hmm. and we are today like patrick said we're still reaping the consequences of of that bad influence that came into christianity and and the the reformation happened and a lot of a lot of of what had got gotten messed up got straightened out there were some things that got straightened out during the reformation but not everything (laughs) We still drag a lot of it in. Otherwise, if it all got straightened out, we wouldn't be celebrating Christmas or Easter or some of these other pagan holidays that come mm-hmm. in. And obviously, this isn't uh, Patrick and I didn't get on here today just to talk about um, ab- about all the good the good Christian um, holidays that everybody's everybody's attached to. There's plenty of other ways you can worship idols other than uh, observing these these pagan christian holidays that we that we observe but it's very problematic that we would think that we could um have a, a sound mind about being on guard against idol worship in our life when we're going to churches and sitting down with with other believers and promoting 
promoting idol worship within the church and promoting things that have come down the lines through generations as idol worship. Maybe we're not bowing down and worshiping. Um, we're maybe not bowing down and worshiping a Christmas tree. Somebody mentioned the Christmas tree. Yeah. Maybe you're not bowing down and worshiping it, but there's been people in the past that did. That's where the tradition yeah. comes from. Yeah. Um, and I'll be happy to get into that right now. I'm going to show Beverly where her King James Bible does talk about Easter. Go ahead. Yeah. So anyways, take anything. Away. Um, just before everybody tunes out here as thinking <laughs> that here, we got a couple of radical guys that are just on here bashing on Christmas and Easter or something like that, that really has very little to do with it. I, I wish that there were some things that could be, you know, there's family traditions and, and ho the holiday spirit, so to speak, and things like that, that can seem very harmless in our culture. Now it's like, what, what, better thing could you possibly do than celebrate Christmas or Easter with your children. But Patrick and I aren't on here to try to promote the lesser of evils or promote good family values. We're simply here to, to share what the Bible says. And so much like when I mentioned that I realized that I had carved out an image and the Bible said not to do that, I realized, okay, I don't really have much of a choice here. I was wrong. I'm going to destroy it. Um, and we can take that route or we can start taking the route that most people do, which is to start making excuses for it and say, well, it's not really an idol. And it's not, you know, we, yeah. we get all, we get all bent out of shape trying to defend how we can ignore a commandment like this. So I was just going to say, you know, as you, as you look into, um, into some of these topics, rather than just automatically assuming that because Patrick's got a big beard and he looks radical and whatever, doesn't necessarily mean that. Um, we shouldn't, we shouldn't, uh, take some time to look into these things. So Patrick, what is, um, well, you've probably got some more scriptures there, so I don't want to derail do, you. But no, 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 but go ahead. Yeah. What ask is, the question. what is one of the, obviously Easter gets your goat. Sure. Christmas, some of those things, they get your goat. Sure. But what is, um, what is a non, a, a, a non-Christian example of something that Americans easily fall into? So we don't. Let's just talk about something that everybody could agree on here. So we're not offending, pissing off all the Christians sure. that are watching. Where is some, something that you, uh, we, let's skip the jet skis. Cause we already got hard on people with jet skis last week or the week before, <laughs> but yeah, just some example of something that you think that Americans actually end up fa falling into idol worship without realizing. Okay. So let, let me, let me explain this. So one thing that I think a lot of fellas can certainly get behind is uh, money becoming an idol, okay? And let me explain how this works. When I'm doing well and I'm, you know, walking close with God, every day I thank God for the provision that he has made for my wife and my kids and I, and I thank him for the work that he has given me that day to provide for my family. And I ask him to continue to do that, okay? And that's the way God wants it. God wants me going to him for all of my requests, all of the provision that I need, God wants me to go to him because he's the one that has everything. He's the one that has created everything. He gets to make all those decisions. And an easy thing that can distract me from God and pull my gratitude and my reliance and my worship away from God is money. So when I have too much money, as a fella, 
it is easy for me not to go to God in prayer every morning like I am supposed to. Do you remember, I believe it was in the Proverbs, where Solomon said uh, that he wanted just enough. He didn't want to be rich. He didn't want to be poor. He didn't want to be poor so he would be tempted to steal. He didn't want to be rich so that he would ever forget about God. He wanted to be in a place where he was always relying on God. Okay. And that's a good place for me. Now, I don't, uh, I'm just, yeah, just a quick, just uh, somebody just mentioned, hold on. Are you cursing and trying to preach biblical principles at the same time? Did one of us say, uh, Alex and Megan? I don't know if maybe something came through wrong. I certainly haven't heard any curse words on here. I don't know. Maybe. (laughs) So, Either way, let's address that. If, if, if I did curse, would that negate anything else that I said? No, I mean, obviously, that would not be a good good biblical practice for us to be on here cursing and preaching God's and, word. And, and, and no, I but I'm just, not to it curse kind of baffled me. So, guy, but keep in mind, okay, if me using a curse word is going to write me off as a biblical teacher, stop watching right now. Okay, because I have cursed and I guarantee oh, I will in the okay. future again. They said that I said, because I said something about somebody getting pissed off. I guess some people consider that a, a curse word. Sorry, if that. <laughs> I was gonna, there you go. I was going to say, I was going to say. Don't listen to gonna, Caleb anymore. <laughs> no, there are, there are some people that are pretty, that are pretty conservative with that. We consider that to be a curse word, I guess. So. Pissing off a Christian. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I, I was going to apologize if that, if that the bar has been set, Caleb, the standard is high. Okay. So that was not helpful at all. <laughs> Other <laughs> well, than no, derailing this whole thing. <laughs> I, I definitely appreciate people that are, are concerned about that. I am definitely not one to condone cursing, but I don't consider that to be, well, if you look at at uh, scriptural uh, terminology that people used in, in scripture, they were probably a lot more harsh than I am by you saying that. But anyways, sorry if I offended you. Go ahead, Patrick. I have no idea what I was talking about. Sorry, I derailed you. That's okay. <laughs> oh, okay, so... Um, you were talking about money and, and I, I had actually pulled Got up it. a scripture reference okay. here on that after you get done with that to back up what you're talking about there. Yeah. So the idea is we can rely on money rather than relying on God. When we put something before God, when something gets in the way of us and God, that thing is an idol. Now, People don't see it that way and they can't make the connection. But what did people in the old times, when Paul was in Ephesus and there was the great goddess Diana, what do you think they were asking her for? Okay, they were asking her for provision and asking her to keep their kids healthy and asking her for all the things that we're supposed to pray to God for. So that was an idol. It's no different if all of a sudden we start to rely on things that are not God for what God is supposed to provide in our life. So that's an easy one that a lot of folks, especially fellas who 
you know, uh, you're self-employed, maybe your wife is a stay-at-home mom and the burden of taking care of the family solely falls on your shoulders. And because of that, you know, you have a lot of pressure. And when you have a lot of money coming in, that pressure is relieved, you relax, and you no longer rely on God as much. So there's a, there's a song that I was just listening to today called uh, Thank You for the Valleys I Walked Through Today. And it says the, the first verse is, thank you for the valleys I walked through today. The darker the valley, the more I learned to pray. And that's the idea is that when everything is going well, all of a sudden, I don't need to rely on God. I have my money. And Jesus made mention of that in the book of Matthew when he told the rich man, you know, uh, that he he would count up, uh, you know, what he had in store in his barns and he would tear down his barns and build bigger ones to hold all the stuff that he had. And he said, you know, thou fool tonight, uh, your life is required of thee. You know, this guy was trusting in his money. But the fact is, you know, um, it can't add an inch to your stature or a day to your life. So you need to trust in and rely on God. So that's the idea. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so there's, I was going to read after, out of Matthew chapter 19. Maybe I need to go drink, drink some soapy water first before I drink this. Oh, I get over it. <laughs> You know, I'm about to drop some serious curse words here just so we can move this thing along. <clears throat> I'm not advocating for that. So anyways, um, here in Matthew 19, verse 16, and behold, one came and said unto him, good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, why callest me good? There is none good but one that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He said unto him, which Jesus said, thou shalt do no murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. If thou shalt bar, thou shalt not bear false witness, honor thy father, and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man said unto him, all these things have I kept from my youth. What lack I yet? Jesus said unto him, if thou will be perfect, go and sell that thou hast and give to the poor and thou shalt have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. Then Jesus said unto his disciples, verily I say unto you that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. Um, so here he's, he's, here's a guy that trusted in his riches. Mm -hmm. And this is obviously it had become a um, idol to him to the point that he was worshiping. He was not willing to let go of, He's clinging to that idol, his possessions, and not willing to let go of that in order to have eternal life, which he wanted. Um, and also, this is always a verse that I like to point people to when they say, oh, the, the Ten Commandments are Old Testament. So here we have Matthew chapter 19 is not mm -hmm. Old Testament. So anyways. Very good. Okay, so let me go to uh, another idea, because I want to give people kind of the philosophy here as far as idols go. And this is something I think might get people thinking and chewing on something for even after we're done talking here. So if you go back to the book of Numbers, chapter 21, verses four through nine, uh, and I'm not going to turn there now. I'm just going to, that's your reference. Go study this out on your own. What you find is that uh, the Israelites were murmuring once again, and Moses, 
he was, they murmured to Moses and Moses turns around and explains their concern to God. And God decided to send fiery serpents among the people. And when you read this story in Numbers 21, four through nine, the way it reads is that, you know, everyone was bit by these serpents and a bunch of people were dying. So uh, the people complained to Moses and God, Moses talked to God and God told Moses what to do. And what he told him was, he says, make a serpent out of brass, put it on a pole and hold it up in the air in the middle of the camp. And whoever looks on it, the venom from the serpents will not kill them. They will be saved. Okay. So the people looked on the serpent and they were saved. Strange story. And it's never explained in the Old Testament. Okay. You find the explanation in the two verses preceding the most famous verse in the Bible, John 3, 16. And there, what we find out is that uh, it's a picture of Christ. He says, just like the serpent was, the brazen serpent was raised up in the days of Moses, so shall the son of man be lifted up. And it gives a picture of salvation, uh, meaning salvation is as simple as the healing from the venom of the serpents was back in the Old Testament. You simply have to look upon Jesus and believe what God said, okay, that uh, he can save you, okay, from your imminent death. Okay, so this is the crazy part. You fast forward uh, uh, several hundred years into the Old Testament, and what you find out <clears throat> is that King Hezekiah, who was one of only a couple of good kings in, uh, in Judah, it says he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. And King Hezekiah turned the nation of Israel from an idol-worshiping pagan nation back to a people who worshiped the God of Abraham, okay? And this, uh, I don't have the reference here. I'll look it up. Uh, I'll read you a verse here. He removed the high places and break the images and cut down the groves and break in pieces the brazen serpent that Moses had made for unto those days the children of Israel did burn incense to it. So here's the crazy thing. Hundreds and hundreds of years ago, in the days of Moses, God tells Moses what to do. He makes the brazen serpent, puts it on a pole, holds it up in the middle of the camp. Everyone looks on this serpent. They're saved from the venom of the fiery serpents that God sent. Okay, the nation of Israel is saved. Great. Then what did they do? They kept the brazen serpent. And fast forward you find out that people were worshiping it and burning incense to it. So when we're talking about idols and Christians today are like, oh yeah, idols are Old Testament stuff, nothing to do with me. Something that God commanded to be made can be an idol. Do you understand that? Something good that God ordered to have made can be or it can turn into an idol. That's one of the reasons I'm always concerned about people who are looking for Noah's Ark, you know, and they're searching for the Ark of the Covenant and the Mercy Seat, you know, and all these things. Uh, for, for that matter, I, I didn't even feel comfortable when, um, what was it, the uh, the scrolls, uh, what were the, uh, the Dead Sea the scrolls? Dead sea. You know, when they were found. Because what people will do is they will 
take the worship that they're supposed to have for the God of the universe, and they will transfer it over to a thing that man made. Yeah. And if you don't believe that, go to Israel and go visit some churches in Israel. They're all shrines built over different historical places or different relics, biblical relics. Relics are huge. Great. This is, you know, this is a sliver of wood from the cross of Christ. And this is, you know, and I mean, I mean, everything. People worship the stuff rather than the God who created everything. And, and that creation rather than the creator. Very good. That is the <clears throat> essence of idolatry, taking the worship that is reserved for God and moving it anywhere else. Okay. That is idolatry in its simplest form. Caleb just gave another great example. You have all these people with the environmental movement and this whole big green movement. And you have a lot of these people and what are they doing? They are worshiping the creation rather than the creator of the creation. It is just insanity. And God is a jealous God. He deserves, he requires all of our worship, our adoration, our love, our praise, And instead, we are putting it in other places. And God hates it. I think if I had to pick what God hates the most, that would have to be it. Okay. First two commandments in the Bible, capital crime in the Old Testament for the nation of Israel. As you read through the whole Old Testament, God hates it. Okay. So that was my next story on. All right. So Romans Romans chapter one, I just, since we mentioned this verse, I'm just going to go ahead and read a few verses here. Romans one, I'm going to start in verse 18 for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness because what may be known of God is manifest in them for God has shown it to them for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God nor were thankful, but became futile, futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. professing to be wise. They became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four footed animals and cre- creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanliness in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature more rather than the creator who is blessed forever. So yeah, it, it talks about us making um, the, they change the glory of the incorruptible God into the image made like corruptible man and birds and four footed animals and creeping things. And therefore God gave them up to uncleanliness. We see that now and then it, it continues on down there talking about, you know, for this reason, God gave them up to vile passions for even their women exchanged the natural use of what is nature. Likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned their lust one for another men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. So it looks like when we take our focus off of God and we start worshiping anything other than God, that he will give us over to uncleanliness and allow us to worship yep. and serve the creation rather than creator. There are serious consequences to it. You know, it should not be taken lightly. Caleb, we had a question that just came in that I really want to hit, because this is a great question. So Donna asks, 
um, her, um, her and her, her husband are watching here and they want to know about it. Is it wrong to burn incense when you pray? Okay. So let me, let me just kind of give you the philosophy here. So although burning incense was something that paganism did, uh, paganism doesn't have the right to claim incense as their own. Okay. Witchcraft in the beginning of witchcraft, if you get a like witchcraft 101 type book that explains what you're doing one of the things you start with is burning candles okay so does that mean that candles are bad no no witchcraft doesn't get to claim candles okay in, in the same way i always explain this now now please forgive me uh but along with christmas and easter i absolutely despise detest and hate halloween Okay, with that being said, does that mean my kids cannot dress up in costumes? Of course not. My kids can dress up in costumes. They love dressing up in costumes and playing. I don't let my kids dress up in costumes one day a year. Okay, that's what I do. In the same way, there's nothing wrong with candles. Lighting a candle doesn't mean it's witchcraft. I, we light candles at our Arab Shabbat dinner on Friday nights all the time. Okay, that you know, it does, they don't get to own candles. And in the same way, um, incense, I've never been into it. I've never found a incense smell that I've really found, you know, um, all that pleasant, but you know, there's nothing wrong with, uh, burning incense. You got to remember that what they were doing was they were burning incense to, okay. Something it's kind of like the meat sacrificed onto idols. Uh, there's nothing wrong with meat you know, it's what you do with it. And the same thing, there's nothing wrong with incense. There's nothing wrong with candles. There's nothing wrong with a Spider-Man costume, um, you know, um, but what are you doing with it? So that's my take on it. Caleb, do you see anything different or anything you want to add there? Well, um, I thought you were always the hardline one. Yeah. Here, here oh. you're saying you're going to let your kids dress up, dress up in, so you're saying you're going to let your kids dress up in Halloween costumes every night of the week year other than Halloween. they're not halloween costumes they're okay. costumes are you saying your daughter doesn't dress up like a princess and play no, a they, game they with... do I, <laughs> halloween I was just costumes. i was i had to give you a bad time um i have not actually studied up on this as far as burning incense i would say all right just like um there are there's a lot of traditions that are very very easy for us to muddy up our religion with and i would say there's a lot of things that you could do that would be harmless if it's not done in a, in a religious practice so very good combining combining burning incense with prayer to me is probably problematic and i would avoid it um there's a lot of things that i know a lot of um you know, orthodox christians and um catholics that and and even other Christians that still try to pull some of these traditions into Christianity. Um, I would, I would say that we should always be careful of specifically things that are associated with communication with the dead. Um, you know, there's people that tend to feel like that they can go in. Might be reaching there a little bit. <laughs> Burning incense. I think you made no, no, a no. jump okay. there, didn't you? <laughs> no, I, I certainly did. Okay. So here, I'm going to bring this back together. I'm just saying, just because we see it done in other other faiths and other religions and we can say, mm -hmm. well, we don't, it's probably harmless. I would be careful of, of advocating or recommending anything that you don't see supported in scripture sure. along with your religion. 
Now, maybe maybe you like point. to have a wax warmer in your house or you want to, yep. you know, have some sort of perfume or something like that. If it's not done for any kind of religious pur- purpose and it's not yeah. mixed with your religion, I would yeah. say it's probably pretty harmless. But, it, you know, if it's not forbidden in the Bible. But if yeah. you get into having to have incense burning in order to pray, with your I'm a little, I would be a little uneasy about that. Yeah. Well, and, and honestly, that makes sense because, you know, Patrick Hayes here raised a Catholic. You know, if there's one thing we know about, it's it, we call it smells and bells. Okay, because in the Catholic Church, they would ring bells, they would burn incense, you know, at different times. I have no idea what any of it means or how it worked. I was just a kid that wanted to go outside and play and not sit in the most boring church that, you know, man has ever invented. Um, But I'm with Caleb. Like, I, I don't see a problem with candles or incense, you know, incorporating that stuff into my worship of God, you know, is moderately uncomfortable for me just because of kind of where it comes from with that being said you know on passover after we have our passover seder we will always have a little fire and we will sit outside as a family and you know and i'll tell stories out of the bible sitting around the campfire you know i i don't really tie that to anything wicked or pagan maybe there's a loose connection but that's pretty so usually for me Usually Christians burning incense, just to tie in what I was saying about communication with the dead. And this is usually Christians burning incense comes from the Catholic Church and the like, like what you mentioned there, the smells and the bells. (laughs) It's usually done in connection with with prayer um, to the saints, not so much um, in other churches or other religions. So my my uh, the reason that I'm a little apprehensive about this is I, I know people that leave. Um, Catholicism or or other um, um, uh, Orthodox Christian Christianity, and they go more toward the Protestant Church because they kind of want to they 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 see some of the the theological problems that are there, and then they are very uh, sentimental about some of the traditions and some of the the, the uh, rituals that they were doing there, and they drag that into into their regular um, prayer life. And I, I see that to be a bit problematic. And I, so that's, that's what I would say is if, if it's, if your reason for doing it is because you used to do that in the Catholic church or you're currently a Catholic, um, I'm not advocating for, um, I'm not advocating for burning incense. If it's, if, if you, it's, it's reminding you of praying to anything other than God and, um, nothing against Catholics, but the Bible doesn't give us permission to pray to the saints. And that is a problem. It actually does turn into idol worship. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we are at the hour mark. So I'm going to move on into my closing kind of comments here. And I wanted to read another verse. And I'm pretty sure it's 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. Yeah, that's it. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. When talking about and thinking about idolatry, you really need to consider this verse. Paul asks several questions. He says, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Okay, well, why, Paul? Well, he follows it up with multiple questions. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And God makes these two comparisons. You have righteousness and unrighteousness. You have light and darkness. Do you realize that there is no middle ground between either of those? There's nothing in in between light and dark. Darkness is the complete absence of light. Okay. Sin is the absence of righteousness. 
there's no middle ground. And that's the problem. And if I had to, you know, kind of stamp modern day American Christianity with one problem, that's it. They are trying to find the middle ground between righteousness and unrighteousness. And that's where they want to live. And that's where they want to hang out. I okay, thought so, you were going to continue down that role and just say in hell is the absence <laughs> of God. And we can just let everybody relax ahead of our next yeah. episode there. Cause that's, yeah. that's a, that's a nice saying. Hell it's is the absence of God. Yeah. It's a, it's a really good segue. So anyway, that's really all I've got. You know, if I was going to rest my case, it's, it's after what we talked about, you know, in these verses, if you still want to take something that's pagan and somehow tie it in with something Christian and try to make it work out, you know, God looks at it as laughable. That's what these questions that Paul is asking in 2 Corinthians 6.14, they are supposed to be humorous, where people are reading it and they're like, oh yeah, what does light have to do with darkness? Duh. Thanks, Paul. That's the way it's supposed to be read. Paul is saying, you guys are, are thinking in a manner that's insane. It's impossible. It doesn't work. It's like trying to mix light and darkness. So that's that's what the Christian needs to do. You need to read the Bible. You need to understand the Bible. You need to know your Bible. And then when you see things out in the world that come from uh, the devil, the world, uh, you know, you can you can have a a real strong line down the middle where they're separated. These are right. Those are wrong. There's no mixing them. I'm going to have nothing to do with these bad things over there. That's that's the line we want to walk. Um, you know, and uh, that, that's the way we want to go with God. And I think that's what pleases God. The last thing I want to say before we go, and this is totally, you know, out in left field. Friends, if you don't know for sure 100% that you are saved, okay, and when you die, you are going to heaven and heaven is your home, you need to get that settled. In the last three months, I have had so many people that I know die and it is really bothering me. The, some of these folks were folks that I wondered if they were saved and they were friends that, you know, I wanted to bring up the gospel to and I didn't get around with it for this reason or that. And I'm telling you, I've had people die that were young, that were old, that were, you know, people I worked with, uh, customers, acquaintances, relatives even. And we enjoy doing this. I, I look forward to this hour every week with Caleb to get on here and, and yak about the Bible and just have fun talking about stuff. But we cannot remember the seriousness or we cannot forget the seriousness behind all of this, which is eternity. Heaven and hell are real. And remember, Jesus is a door. He is not a tunnel. You don't get you don't get to heaven because you've been on a path with Jesus. You either are in or you're out. You walk through the door. There is a time when you cross the threshold, you get saved. If you don't know what that time is, you're probably lost and on your way to hell. Okay? There has to be a time when you got saved. It is not a journey, okay? It is an event. Okay? And if you're not sure if you're saved, please get in touch with me. I would love to chit chat more with you about that. And now I'll turn it over to Caleb for a lighthearted ending and a 16 minute monologue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's really good. Uh, on top of all of the good advice that we could give to people, obviously Jesus didn't come here to save us from our 
bad character or to save us from um, pain and suffering or to save us from financial ruin. He came us to came to save us from eternal judgment in hell. And so trust in Jesus as your savior. And like Patrick said, um, this is the most important thing that, that we could ever say to you. We could be wrong on, on plenty of other things, but at least let's get this one thing right. And that is put your faith in Jesus as your, as your savior. Yeah, that was uh, an interesting discussion. I'm sure that we missed probably tons and tons of stuff we could talk about on, on uh, idol worship and idolatry, but um, maybe get people thinking. So I enjoyed the discussion. Okay, everybody. Remember, next week we're talking about hell. Hell is real. Let's talk about it. With that being said, Shabbat Wait, did Shalom. Did you just say a bad word? Have a, oh, my soul. Don't even start with me. That, that, there, that was the most disruptive comment I have ever read on a podcast. I, I actually enjoyed it. I got I got a kick out of it. I was like, Got us Wait, into what? left field for like five minutes. <laughs> well, you know, the thing that bothered me the most is like, what, what it so what what are the ramifications of that okay let's say caleb slipped up and dropped the f-bomb okay i'm not gonna stop doing this podcast with him you folks at home shouldn't stop listening to him if so stop reading your bible because david was a murderer okay (laughs) noah was a drunk moses was a murderer i mean oh for crying out loud one thing i will say that is kind of um, well, and I've probably, I've said a few things in church before when it was my turn to give the message. And I was like, wondered, I wonder if people are going to be uncomfortable with that. Cause I said that somebody screwed up or, you know, whatever, um, mentioned, you know, I don't know what, there's a lot of Christian cuss words. You can't say poop or you can't, you know, there's all kinds sure. of things you can't say. And there's times that I've mentioned something and I was like, wait, I wonder if that's set wrong or whatever. But one thing that, um, always bothers me about preachers that are, overly religious and yeah. everything's in theological terminology that a layman can't understand. And of course, I don't think you should ever have to bring cuss words into your conversation in order to be a relatable or relevant person. That's not what I'm saying. Sure. But um, Patrick and I, like he said, we are Craigslist preachers. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, we have, we're not, we're not pastors and preachers. We're just on here to discuss the Bible. So um, yeah, we're, we're a couple of sinners talking about the Bible and, uh, hopefully, hopefully we're, um, able to, in spite of whatever flaws we have, we're still able to advocate for truth. And, uh, sorry if I, uh, sorry if I offended anybody by, um, or if I pissed anybody off by saying something about somebody getting pissed off. I almost said that earlier. I was like, wait, did I piss somebody off by saying something about getting pissed off? But then yeah. I decided to refrain because I like if, if I eat meat and it makes my brother stumble, it doesn't say I'll mm-hmm. eat more meat. It says I won't eat meat. So maybe I'll try not to say that I got pissed off on here anymore. Yeah, I'm not going to be so kind. I'm going to tell everyone to go ahead and just climb down off your cross, you know, and get over yourself. Okay. <laughs> I, people are taking themselves way too no, seriously. I've been in the same, I've been in the same boat before. Maybe I should get back in it. I don't know. Whatever. All right. Well, everybody have a good night. Thanks, Patrick. Good night.